from game-winning shots to walk off home runs. This ball is crushed. To last-second field goals. He's got you covered. It's the Guarantee Sports Corner. It's the Guarantee Sports Corner, another week gone by in March and another week closer to March Madness, as I like to think about it, uh, best time of the year, live from St. George, Utah, and rather a gloomy day here, hoping that clears up soon, I miss the sunshine. Uh, anyway, some big marquee NBA matchups happened over the weekend, some more NFL drama, and some insane UFC fights happened over the weekend as well. I saw the highlights and yikes. I mean, those last two fights were absolutely insane. I'm not a huge UFC guy, but if I see, you know, the highlights of pay-per-view fights on TV, you know, I'll watch them just to see what happened. And my my goodness, like those last two fights alone got your money's worth. Like <laughs> I mean, the face of that one fighter for the women championship, whatever it was, like her face got beat up and it was bad. And even that last fight that they had, it was a really well-rounded fight. It went to five rounds. It was, it was very worth people's money and it was a good fight. It was a really, really good fight. I would suggest you guys go and check them out. So Barry Bonds is back in the highlights this week. Barry Bonds, if you guys remember who that is, the all-time home run king leader uh, back in the news. So the Baseball Hall of Fame voting just happened a few weeks ago, and Barry Bonds was short of vo votes once again. Uh, he only has two years left on his Hall of Fame uh, voting status, but from the words of Barry Bonds, quote, a death sentence. That's what they have given me, end quote. Okay, first off, I know that it was never proven of Bonds using steroids. It was never proven. But come on, man. You juiced up. You played in an era where steroids were being used left and right like it was Gatorade. It was so obvious to the common eye that you juiced up. You've been lying about it your entire career and post-career. You went to federal court and lied about using them. So why should we vote in a guy who cheated? And he's not the only one. Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Rafael Palmero, and Jose Canseco. All those guys will never get in the Hall of Fame. They all cheated. If Pete Rose can't get in for what he did, why should Bonds be in the Hall of Fame? Why should we vote him in? The all-time home runs leader, single-season home run record leader, on paper, yes, those are Hall of Fame numbers. But I want you to look up a picture of Barry Bonds when he was with the Pirates early on in his career. I want you to take a look and look at his body physically. Then take a look at a picture of Barry Bonds when he was on the Giants in the early 2000s. Compare those two pictures. He looks like a completely different man. And I don't know what's more sad to hear. 
the fact that he is complaining about the committee not voting him in after what the entire world saw or the fact that he truly believes that he didn't cheat. I'm not sure what's worse. It just shocks me that Bonds would think that the committee is voting him out because of the accusations that were held against him. That's exactly why they're not voting you in. You cheated the game. You disrespected the game. And the fact that you think you did nothing wrong throughout your entire career goes to speak of what kind of a person Bonds is. Bonds is claiming he feels like a ghost and feels exiled from the sport altogether. You know, when I when I read stuff like this, I just laugh. I just laugh because it seems so idiotic. When federal prosecutors take you to federal court, they are almost always never wrong. I mean, every common baseball fan that isn't a Giants fan, or maybe even a Pirates fan, can tell you that he juiced up. It was so obvious, it's mind-blowing to me that he is still lying about it today. And he left the league in 2007. But he was mainly using steroids from what I believe in the early 2000s when he broke the home run single season record. Now, maybe he wasn't using it for the entire duration of his career. But I see people who are backing Bonds about this situation. Oh, well, it takes skill to, to be able to connect with the ball and, and to be able to know what kind of pitch is coming. And, and sure, it does. It does. I'll give you that. But if you could not connect with the ball, with the bat, you shouldn't even be in the majors. That's what they're supposed to do in the MLB. They're supposed to be able to make contact with the ball. And people say, oh, well, steroids don't really do much in baseball. It's one of the least physical games. That's just not true. It's not true at all. You know, my dad put a very good way of explaining what steroids do when I was younger. He said, steroids make it to where you work out and you don't hurt. And you could just keep going and going and going. And that's how you get bigger. That's how you get stronger. That's how you get faster. It doesn't hurt you. And that was probably one of the best explanations that I have heard about what steroids does. And that's why Barry Bonds got so freaking huge. You know, you don't just, you don't just bulk up in a few years that much. That just doesn't happen. And, and it's even worse when you lie about it. It's like, dude, what, what are you holding on to? He truly deep down believes, this is Barry Bonds, he truly deep down believes that he did not cheat the game at all. He thinks that he played it fair his entire career. He never tainted anything. He never cut any corners. He's never pleaded guilty to it, but it is so obvious, and the fact that it has never been proven blows me away. Now, I know that was during a time where technology isn't what it is today, so maybe if that happened today, maybe they would have caught him. I don't know, but back then, they did not have the technology to be able to check for different types of steroids. But even, 
Alex Rodriguez was using them. All kinds of players were using them. It was the steroid era. But you don't hear about any of them complaining about not getting in the Hall of Fame. And that's why this is an issue. This is why this is a headline. There's a very good amount of people out there that still think Hank Aaron is the all-time home run leader. And I don't blame him. Hank Hank Aaron was clean. And he wasn't a very big guy either. So Bonds came along. He cheated. He surpassed his record. Now, I don't know if... I mean, I wasn't really old enough to really recognize the significance of, of passing the home run record. It's like it's like beating the all-time touchdown leader. It's the equivalence to that. So I wasn't really old enough to remember it, so I didn't really understand the impact that it had. But, you know, you look back at it, and it, you know, it was a big deal. But there was a lot of people out there who weren't celebrating it, who weren't, I guess, congratulating as much as you would see today because the guy cheated. And it, it, he's been lying about it. He lied about it through his career. And then he lied about it once he retired. It is against the law to lie in federal court. And he did that multiple times. And it, it just, it's kind of, it, I don't even know. I can't even put it into words. I guess how sad this is truly believes that he did nothing wrong. And then he comes out and says a death sentence. That's what they have given me. That's what he said in his response to the committee, not voting him in. The committee is not blackballing you. Even if you want it to go that route, they're not doing that. They're not, they're not unfavoring you over. You cheated. That's all it is. That's all that this comes down to is you cheated. Cheaters don't get rewarded for their accomplishments. Everybody gets caught eventually. So if you're a baseball fan, you know, you know that he did. And you would think the same exact thing, that this is hysterical, that not only that this is even a story, but the fact that he still believes that he should get into the Hall of Fame. I don't get it. I will never understand it. And maybe someday before he dies, maybe he'll come out and finally confess everything he's been doing all along. I'm going to say it. The Lakers are the best team in the world right now. That's right. They may not have the best record in the league, but they are hands down the best team in the NBA. They beat the Bucks and the Clippers in the same weekend. The Lakers are down in the season series to the Clippers 2-1. to one. I know that. And the Bucks annihilated the Lakers in their first matchup. I know that. But to be able to win both of those games on back-to-back nights is absolutely unreal. LeBron is playing at a different level right now, and everything just seems to be coming together. I mean, they just signed Dion Waiters off of waivers, so another guard who gives them depth. It can't hurt them. This Lakers team is probably one of the most well-rounded teams LeBron has ever had. And I don't want to hear it from anyone out there. Oh, LeBron needs all this help. He he can't do it by himself. He, he needs all these superstars around him and all these really good quality players. I mean, who else doesn't? Really? Who else doesn't? 
need a well-rounded team to succeed in the league. One player can't do it all. The way that this team is clicking together, they have that swagger. They have that confidence. It's scary to think about. And I think we all kind of forgot how great LeBron is in the playoffs. You think he's great now in the regular season. But come playoff time, he's going to step it up another three notches. We didn't see him last year. But this year just seems different. And I'm not even talking about the Kobe Bryant situation. I'm talking about the Lakers as a whole. This team is determined. There's no outside noise. There's no distractions. There's no chemistry issues. There's no locker problems. There's none of that. Those wins against the Bucks and the Clippers were proof to me and everyone else in the world that this is still LeBron's league. LeBron had 29 or 28, 9 and 7 against arguably the best two player, the two-way player in the league in Kawhi Leonard. 28 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists. Against what most people would say is the best two-way player in the league in Kawhi Leonard. And they won by 9. And when they went up against the Bucks, whether it was Giannis or whoever else, he went 37, 8 and 8. LeBron is hands down still the number one player in the NBA, and it's not even close. It's not even close. People are going to throw the bias tag at me. How can I not? I mean, look at the numbers LeBron is doing. 28-9-7 against Kawhi Leonard, 37-8-8 against Giannis and whoever else was guarding him on back-to-back nights and won both of those games by more than two possessions. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, it's not fake. It's facts. It's all on paper. It's all right there for you guys. And it still blows me away that there are still people out there in this world who think LeBron James is not the greatest player in the world. And I don't see how anybody could think any other any other player. Yes, Giannis is making his case. But we've seen Giannis fold. We've seen all the great superstars fold at one point or another. But let me know when you see another superstar in year 17 doing what he is doing like LeBron is this year. We we just will not we will not see this again. In year 17, to be averaging, what is it, 28, 9, and 8, or whatever he's averaging. Maybe he's averaging 10 assists a game. He's, he's leading the league in assists right now. A three. A small forward is leading the league in assists right now. In year 17. Michael never did that. Kobe never did that. I don't even think Magic did that in year 17. If he even played 17 seasons. LeBron James is the best player in the world right now. And there's really nothing anybody can tell me otherwise. There's nobody better than him. No one. Last thing, and again. So reports have said that the Cowboys have yet again offered Dak Prescott a contract 
that was going to pay him $33 million a year. Dak Prescott has not reacted to the offer yet, and this has been an ongoing issue all season long, and I have brought this up in the past. But free agency starts in eight days, and the Cowboys and Dak need to find a happy middle to come to an agreement. The franchise tag deadline is this Thursday. The Cowboys are in an unfamiliar spot. They want to know what they should pay their quarterback for the next three to four years. They really don't want to have to use the franchise tag or the exclusive franchise tag on a quarterback because that money directly that money comes directly out of their salary cap and they then they can't even use the franchise tag player or a franchise tag on a player like Amari Cooper, who was vital for Prescott's success. The biggest issue with this is that Dak wants to get paid a dollar more than everyone else. He sees everyone else making big bucks, and he thinks he deserves that as well. Russell Wilson makes $35 million a year. Big Ben makes $34 million a year, which is just shy of Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. Now, everyone saw the year Goff had, and it was disappointing, of course, because he went to the Super Bowl the year before. He wants to be paid more than everyone else rather than looking at the picture and say, hey, I'm the quarterback of the Cowboys for at least another three to four years. I can make $100 million guaranteed, and if we get this done now, there's a greater chance of success for the Cowboys. That's what he needs to be doing right now. None of this pitter-patter, I need to get paid more than everyone else. Get a contract, get your money, Go play some football and lead America's team. That's what your mindset should be right now. And we might just witness Dak going from the most underpaid quarterback in the league to possibly the most overpaid quarterback in the league. We've seen Dak without Zeke. He's very limited. It didn't go well. We saw him without Amari Cooper. It didn't work out that well. It doesn't mean that he isn't talented or he can't do it by himself. And this is a chance to get that success if he decides to not ask for so much money. Because with money comes expectations. Expectations leads to disappointment. The longer you wait to get a deal done, the more money that you are leaving on the table and not making it. Now, I could be the first to say it. Dak Prescott, in my opinion, should not get paid more than $20 million a year. There is absolutely no reason as to why he should get paid any more than that. First off, what does he have? One playoff win? One? He's won the division twice out of four years. Okay. Apparently, he's got the second most wins as a quarterback since he came to the league behind Tom Brady. Okay, I'll give you that. You got the second most wins out of everybody. Brady has more than you. That's a good that's a good pitch as to why you should get paid the most. But when January comes around, that's really when your money shows. I mean, Dak is 
one and one in the playoffs. The Cowboys had that number one offense this year in the NFL, and they still went eight and eight. It doesn't make sense to me, and it probably doesn't make sense to your neighbor. But if I had a quarterback who was asking for whatever it is, 35, 40 million a year, you can't go eight and eight. You can't go eight and eight, come second in your division to a team that went nine and seven, who wasn't even supposed to win the division. You choked. You straight up choked. You couldn't beat any teams that were over 500. And you beat every other team who was below 500 except for the Jets. I mean, when you really dig deep into it, why should we pay Dak Prescott so much money? Why? Why should I pay him 30? What has he done for me? Sure, he's brought me jersey sales. He's brought me a lot of wins. He hasn't brought me a lot of playoff wins. He hasn't gotten any rings on my finger. Why should I pay a quarterback this much? Because there's nothing else left in the market? Are you kidding me? This is one of the biggest free agency markets for quarterbacks we've had in years. And Dak Prescott has the nerve to try and get 35 plus from the Cowboys. That just does not make sense to me. And Dak, you know, he's a smart guy. He's looking around the league. He's seeing what the NBA specifically is doing too in demanding money. So he's using that to his advantage. He's trying to get the players to be more vocal. He's trying to get them more noticed. He's trying to have a voice for them, saying, hey, we can speak up to our bosses too. If I spoke to my boss and I told him I wanted $25 an hour or I'm not working for him, I get fired. <laughs> I would get fired. It's different in sports. It's very different. But that doesn't mean that Dak Prescott should be getting paid that much money. Now, Russell Wilson, he makes 35 a year. He's been to two Super Bowls. He's won, or he didn't win Rookie of the Year, but he's had a winning season in every single season that he has played. He's been healthy. He doesn't miss any games. He's a great leader. He's a great teammate. He's got everything down to the perfect wire. That's why he makes so much money. Not to mention, he is more than half of the Seahawks offense. So sure, we'll give him $35 million a year. Big Ben makes $34 a year, like I said. He's, been, he's, he, he's won two Super Bowls. He's been to three. He's thrown for nearly 5,000 yards. He's the only quarterback to throw for 500 yards twice in his career which is kind of crazy to think about because he's the only quarterback to do it twice. Okay, you got some accolades on your shoulders. We'll give you some money. You've been the leader of our franchise for going on to year 17 now. Sure, you deserve this money. Dak Prescott only had a chance because Tony Romo got hurt. And I know that's very unfair of me to say, but Dak Prescott wasn't wasn't a four or five star recruit. He just wasn't. And he wasn't a top draft prospect. What happened to Dak Prescott was probably the best thing that could have happened to him in his career. 
He was a backup. Nobody even knew who he was. Tony Romo gets hurt. Dak Prescott comes in. They win the division and go to the playoffs. I mean, you can't write that any better. Now Dak's got some expectations now. And if he gets paid $35 million and plus, you bet that all the pressure is on him now. And do do you guys really want that for a 25-year-old quarterback, 26-year-old quarterback? Give him all the pressure, giving him $35 million, America's team. It's Super Bowl or bust year. It's just not a formula for success. You pay Dak 35, you lose a left tackle. You lose a linebacker. Maybe you lose a defensive lineman. Maybe you lose a wide receiver. I don't know. Maybe you lose Amari Cooper. Now you have to do more with less. And if he does that, then sure, he deserves the money. But if he folds and he does bad, you're really going to have to consider finding somebody new. And by then, you might be too late. You might be sucked in to Prescott's contract. So we're going to have to see. If the Cowboys give him the franchise tag, because Dak said if he, if they give him the franchise tag, he's not going to play for them this year. Well, we'll see. That's it for today's podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in and uh, be safe out there. All this virus crap going on around. Just, just be safe, guys. Be smart. Wash your hands. And uh, we'll see you guys on Thursday. Have a good Tuesday, guys.